If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 100 and verse 5. And uh, we will get there here in just a second. But I want to start a new sermon series. And uh, so you've kind of heard uh, through the theme of the worship this morning about the goodness of God. Uh, I, a couple of months ago, I was sleeping and I woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning and God began to put this phrase on my heart, and I have no idea why until he began to put the sermon series together. Uh, but we as Christians have kind of our own Christianese language, right? So when we get mad, we say, oh, fooey. Now, we know what we mean by that, right? We say, oh, golly gee. Does anybody say that? Okay. We, we come really close to saying words without really saying words. And so sometimes we have different phrases that come together. And so I think instead of saying goodness gracious, we need to begin to say goodness graciousness. So can we practice that just a little bit this morning? Are you ready? Ready? Goodness graciousness. So instead of saying goodness gracious, the term that we could use is goodness graciousness because it's a representation of God and what he's done for us. So when we think about this, is God good? Okay. We'll get there in just a second. How many of you have learned, and I love the fact that our kids are in here for Family First Sunday, uh, say this prayer with me. How many of you have prayed the prayer for your meal? God is great. God is good. You are the godliest church I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Like, I don't even have to preach. I just have to start you off, right? So I'm going to try this next. Psalm 100, verse 5. Four. Okay, okay, good. Those of you that have version app and can get there really quick, that's good. Um, but we think about this, and this is kind of the entry level of what we teach our kids to pray, right? We teach them this prayer so they would understand this, and we say this as a family together before we eat, and it becomes kind of this ritual and this understanding with us. But think about the first two phrases. God is great. God is good. I love what he says in Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generation. So let me try this. Let me see how good we are as a church. God is good? Good. So how many of you had no idea what I was talking about there? All of you are saints of God, right? Okay, let's question that just for a second. Is God really good all the time? It's an easy phrase for us to say. It's a token for us to continually point out. But is God good when I have just lost a loved one? Is God really good when I am in pain? Is God really good when I hate my job? Is God really good when I am so mad? Is God really good when I have been heartbroken? 
Is God really good when I have been betrayed? Is God really good when I have a flat tire on the way to church? Is God really good when my kids fight? Is God really good in all of these instances? The reality is, he is. But I think many times we focus on our own ailments, on our own infirmities, rather than on the goodness of God. It's easy to think that every one of you related to one of those scenarios that said, is God good? And look, we hold on to this and we yell this as an anthem, but does our life genuinely measure up to this? When the outside world sees us go through suffering, go through pain, go through these things, do they say, man, that guy or that lady really believes that God is good? When we focus on the goodness of God, it eases stress and worry from our life. But the opposite is true. When we lack the focus on the goodness of God, it causes a lot of stress and worry in our life. I want you to think, because it's easy to begin to talk about the negatives. It's funny that if I were to ask you a question and say, what is the restaurant or what is the sports team or what is the individual that you dislike the most and why, an immediate answer would come to your mind. But if I were to ask you the exact opposite and say, what is the best? What is your favorite? What is this? You would begin to struggle for things to be thankful for. Because we are hardwired this way, because we constantly look for the negative, because we continually focus on ourselves rather than on the goodness of God, there's negative consequences that come, through, come with this. And I want you to think about these things as we look at it. A few negative consequences that come with this. So I want you to think, when was the last time that you forgot about the goodness of God? It's probably happened sometime in the past week when things began to kind of mount on top and just weigh you down and the burdens became heavy and your workload became this and you became busy and you're just like, God, I need a break. I need to know that you are good. There's negative consequences that come with this. One of the first ones that happens is that we begin to claim credit for the things God did. It's interesting how quickly this happens. We begin to look at our accomplishments and we look at the things that we have done. We begin to kind of become our own little G gods. We stop thinking so much about what God has done and we think about us. It's interesting that you will never be the God that God is. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, for he who sees anything different in you, what do you have that you did not receive? Did anybody create themselves? Did anybody pick their mother or their father? 
God is in control. He created you. And he says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast (laughs) as if you did not receive it? Why do we take credit for what God has done? Listen, there is nothing that we have done. It is only God. Look, when I think about this, and look, this is, a, this is a trap for me. If I'm very transparent with you, sometimes I get going and I'm moving in a direction and I feel like I'm waiting on God and I'm like, God, just catch up. God goes, you're not in control. He humbles me every time. The second negative consequence that comes with this is we stop asking God for help. We stop believing that he can do it. Can I relate to the kids for just a second? How many times have you asked your mom or your dad to do something? And they say, we'll see. Any, any kids? Can we be real with what that means? We'll see if the stars line up perfectly and we're able to make it happen. Or we'll see if I don't forget. We'll see if we have time. We'll see if we have money. We'll see if I even like you and I want to do this. Look, we'll see is one of those things. And what begins to happen? Now, it doesn't really happen in my household. Maybe it happens in your household. But do your kids ever just stop asking? Maybe we could learn something from kids here in our relationship with Christ. Because for some reason, as adults, we get mad when we don't get what we want. When it doesn't happen on our terms and it doesn't happen as quick as we should. Listen, a lot of adult heads went down when I said that. So we've stopped looking at God and saying, God, you can fulfill this. You can do this in your time frame. We stop believing that God can do the things that we seek. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Do you know that even the evil world knows how to give gifts? Imagine what gifts that God, our Heavenly Father, who loved you, created you, and designed you, would give if you would just ask. You know what's interesting about asking is it creates dependency. Look, as much as I hate when my kids ask me for money, there's a small part of me that says, praise the Lord that I can provide it for them. I love, no, they're not in here, right? Please don't tell my kids I said this. 
We'll talk about keeping secrets next week. (laughs) But I love that they depend upon their father. And they come to me. How much more our relationship with God would be when we had need, instead of trying everything in our power to fix it on our own, we would submit and say, God, I need you. Hebrews 4.16 reiterates this passage or reiterates this understanding for us. He says, let us then with confidence, with boldness and other translations. You know what's interesting? My kids have all the confidence in the world in their parents. Because of our closeness of our family. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Look, it's one thing for us to go to the Lord. It's a whole other going to him with confidence, knowing that he is going to work a situation out for you. Look, one of the things that I've been probably the most humbled by is here recently, the pastor appreciation blessing that you gave to my family. Look, I don't know about you, but inflation is hit. Kids are expensive. All of the things that have taken place over the past few years. But you blessed my family in a way that humbles me. I think so many times we forget to look to God and say, God, can you do this? Psalm chapter 69, verse 16 in the first part. The psalmist David is writing in this, and if you read this whole psalm, he's writing about knowing the hairs on top of your head, which is fascinating for most, not for me. (laughs) But he says, the psalmist is crying out to God. And he says, answer me, O Lord. For your steadfast love is what? Good. The third is this. The negative consequences of not seeing the goodness of God is that we stop trusting God in difficult times. Look, the reality is most of us are not prepared for difficult times. Most of us think everything is going to be perfect. Everything is going to work out. Everything is going to take place in in all perfection. But the reality is, as believers, we need to be prepared for difficult times. We have to be ready. We have to know that they're going to come. And listen, if you haven't made your decision of what you're going to do before it's going to take place, the book of James chapter 1 talks about this. Trials and temptations produce a more mature faith. The reality is if we get into our emotions, if we get into the situation and we don't have the truth of God, we are shakable. So what he's talking about here 
is when we come through one of those difficult situations that all of us have been through, it's very easy if you don't understand the goodness of God to look at God and say, why are you doing this to me? Why would you allow this to happen to me in my life? God, don't you know I'm your child? Why are you doing this to me? But if we're prepared in our mature belief and we know the goodness of God, we look at God and say, I know that you'll get me through this. I know that you'll give me the strength. I know that you'll give me the power. I know whatever circumstances may come my way, all I have to do is trust in you and you will work. See the difference? I think in this one simple understanding, we see the demise of the church and we see the demise of believers. Because when we go through something difficult, we don't look to God and say, I know that you're good in the midst of it. We completely turn our back and run away from him. God says, I was going to work it all out for your good. Why do we run away from the only thing that's good? Psalm chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. The psalmist going through a difficult situation says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. When things are difficult, take refuge in Him. Don't run from the goodness of God. Run to the goodness of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, he says, And we know that for these who love God, the believers, the strong, mature believers, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The fourth thing that takes place is we become pessimistic about the future. If we don't understand and we don't believe in the goodness of God, the goodness and graciousness of God, we become pessimist about the future. How many times in your life have you said, I'll quit, I'll never do this again. I'll never even try because nothing ever changes. It's interesting that the longer that I live, the more I wonder if anything can change. Look, I don't know if you've seen this perfectly sculpted body. But I've worked on it many times. And it always goes back to factory reset, which is this. <laughs> Sitting there going, why eat healthy? You know you love cookies. <laughs> the holidays are coming. You can diet on the first like everybody else does. <laughs> you know you should work out, but you don't. The reality is this. The same thing in our relationship with God. We think nothing's ever going to change. He's never going to work. He's never going to change anything for me. And it's solely because we forget how good God is. 
Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13 and 14. Psalmist says these words, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So over these next couple of weeks, we're going to deal with things, and I'm going to kind of fly through this list because we won't deal with each one of these individually. But my hope is that you stop looking at God and wondering if he's good. And you begin to see his goodness, his graciousness continually in your life. See, a lot of this is about perspective. How many of you got here early this morning? And it was 67 degrees in this auditorium. And it felt like winter and it was heaven. Right now, if you look at the thermostats, it's probably between 72 and 74. (laughs) It's interesting that we try to get it so cold in here so that when we fill it with all of you, it stays somewhat comfortable. We could look at the air conditioners and say, you know what? It's too cold in there. I'm never going to do this again. We can also look and go, praise God for air conditioning in the south. There was a sermon that was preached in 2017 by Rick Warren. He was composing this list, and this list comes from that that part of his sermon where he was preparing to write a book. He talks about hope in God based on the 23rd Psalm. I want to give you kind of an exhaustive list so that you at least have the nuts and bolts of what to do in the future with this. See, the reality is we will continually look at the negative and we will continually not see the goodness of God unless something changes in our perspective. Until we begin to adopt these principles. And look, as I was reading through the 23rd Psalm, and I've read this Psalm probably hundreds of times at this point. Just about every graveside, this is the psalm that I read because there's so much comfort, there's so much peace in this passage. Rick Warren gives a good understanding of hope in Psalm 23 that we can see the goodness of God. The first thing that we see is he will meet all of my needs if I trust him. In Psalm chapter 23 and verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Think about that for just a second. Is God good in the fact that he will meet all of my needs if I trust him? Look, you go, Pastor Jeff, I need to hit the Powerball. No, you don't. You need to trust the Lord and work hard. Amen? You don't like to hear that, right? But if you do hit the Powerball, we are building a building back there. Somebody's, Pastor, would you take that money? Yeah, it came from God, not you. 
You'll amen that. But not the go to work and work hard part. I got gotcha. you. We'll talk about that next week. Goodness graciousness. The next one is this. He will teach me to relax when I'm stressed out. Man, this world needs to hear that. Psalm 23 and verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Not tumultuous waters. The next is this. He will replenish my strength when I'm empty. I love what he says in Psalm 23 in the first part. He says, he restores my soul. You know that this is a, a common trend in our world that we look for peace in a vacation or we look for peace in a, a, a tranquil place or a massage or whatever we look for peace. Do you know that the only thing that restores your soul is God? Take time with him. He will guide me when I'm confused and indecisive. Look, I get this question all the time. How do I know it's God and not Satan? Psalm chapter 23 in the second part, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The next one, he will walk with me in my dark and fearful days. For some reason, the darker our day, the more lonely we feel. The more struggle that we go through, the more isolated and the more that we separate. Reality is the opposite. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. He will protect me when I'm insecure. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4, the second part, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a, a shepherd's term, and I, I heard this years ago, and the beauty of this, I'm not a sheep farmer. I don't have any sheep yet. But I love that the sheep would come to the shepherd and get in his presence and that his rod that he would hold, he would put it down and the sheep would walk under it just to feel that touch, to know that the shepherd is there to protect them. And he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The psalmist is crying out going, thank you for your comfort. He will show his favor when I'm attacked in Psalm chapter 23 and verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, God sits with you at the table of confrontation. God sits with you at the table when everybody is turning against you. And he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. He will be good to me. No matter what happens, 
In Psalm chapter 23 and verse 6, the first part of this says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Look, the reality is that God's goodness is on display every day in your life. Last one is this. (laughs) So much joy in this that he will take me to heaven one day. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 6, he says, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful passage. In this goodness, goodness and graciousness sermon series, you're going to have to come to a conclusion. If God is good, then why aren't you living that way? You've got to quit focusing on the negative and focus on the goodness of God. Let me close with this last passage. John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11 says the thief only comes the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now pay careful attention to that passage. Cuz every time you think that God is not good, that is Satan's attack on your life. He is the thief. He comes to kill, steal and destroy. Jesus tells us the exact opposite in this next verse. In the goodness of God, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The reason that we can do the Lord's Supper, the reason that we can celebrate communion is because not only is that a phrase, that is a reality. He did this. This is the good shepherd. This is the goodness of God. Look, so many of us in our world right now are trapped by our anxiety, our worry, by just turning internally, just hurting inside, and we have forgotten that God is good. If you came here this morning, And you're still wrestling with the fact that God is good. I hope that you've seen so much scripture this morning. And that you'll stick around and talk with some of these other folks about the goodness of God. Look, as I look around this crowd, I know the stories and I know the families and I know the people that sit in this room. There's hundreds of stories of the goodness of God and what he has done in each and every one of your lives. But we forget so quickly. We forget so quickly of what he has done. I'll tell you this morning, quit focusing on the negative effects and focus on the goodness of God. If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. The worship team is going to come forward and sing a song of invitation.
as they do, maybe some of the things that were just said through Scripture or some of the things that you've been battling with this week. Maybe you've genuinely wondered, is God really good? It's hard to see it in the world that's around us. It's hard to see us when we're constantly focused on everything that is bad, everything that is negative. And listen, we're right in the midst of a political season. It's hard to see the goodness of God. We as the church, we as the ecclesia, the called out body of believers, every one of us, if I said God is good, you would say all the time and we would chant that and say that in our greatest Christianese, but our lives have to match that understanding. I get so tired of seeing Christians defeated over and over and over. And God is saying, I'm giving you the victory. Follow me, rest in me, know me. I tried that one time and I failed. Look, I don't know if you understand the nature of who God is. He is in the restoration business. It's interesting that we understand this concept as parents. When our kids fail, we, we, we talk to them about their failure. We try to teach them to not make the same bad decision twice. But we never stop loving them. We continually welcome them with open arms. We hurt for them. We love them. We genuinely care for them. God has put that in your life to understand him as your heavenly father. It breaks his heart every time he sees you walk away. Every time you fail in your sin. But he never stops wrapping his arms around you. He never stops loving you. He never turns his back. I don't know about you, but that is the goodness of God. If you're wrestling this morning, is God good? Emphatically, Scripture speaks it over and over and over. Maybe you're focused on the negative consequences or the things that are taking place in your own life. And listen, we all have our own struggles. But it's time to start shouting from the rooftops the goodness of God and the graciousness of God. Dear Father, I come to you. Lord, humbled this morning by your verses, by, by your scripture. Father, I know so many people struggle with this question. Wondering if you are really good. God, you put this on display for us time and time and time to see. 
Lord, may we not be focused on the things in our life, but that we would continually put our eyes upon you and know that you are a good God. Father, I love you and I praise you this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.